Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brood Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Week 12 in the college football season. Welcome into Countdown to Kickoff. Judah Newby and the College Football Hall of Famer Neil Lomax taking you up until 7.30 when the Ducks kick off at Autzen Stadium against the Fighting Herms and the Arizona State Sun Devils. Welcome back in. Our opening segment features some continued crosstalk. We got the football in the house right now in the studio, which gets me all kinds of fired up. We got Neil Lomax <laughs> across the table. We got the host of the Oregon College Football Show, Brian Perkins, and the Oregon Duck Hall of Famer himself, Jordan Kent. Fellas, let's continue some crosstalk. Jordan, Neil, I pose this to you. We got senior night at Autzen Stadium, and a narrative that uh, we'll have to flesh out a little bit more is whether or not this is going to be the final home game of one number 10 in the green and yellow, Justin Herbert. But first, senior night. What does it mean? What does it feel like when you're going out on your home field in front of your home crowd for the final time? Well, you know, we were having this conversation, and I think you can't give it too much weight as far as, oh my gosh, it's going to swing the tide of momentum. But it does help a team stay more locked in and focused in what could potentially be a trap game for some teams. I think what it means here at Autzen Stadium for the Ducks is you will see them bring tremendous effort. And that's something that we weren't necessarily seeing in some of these road games as far as energy and effort. And this is something that you'll see from especially the younger players because all the coaches harp on it. You know this, Neil. Don't let the seniors lose. Do this for the seniors. And so, you know, I think it always depends on the situation as far as who's a senior, as far as what senior night means. I mean, obviously, when Joey Harrington was a senior and Oregon was taking on Oregon State and a win there would secure their spot in the Fiesta Bowl or give them a chance to play in the national championship, that's a huge senior night. Tonight, well, maybe not so much. I mean, you've got some great defensive players that will be playing their last game at Autzen Stadium, but it's not like Oregon has a huge game on the line against a team that could potentially beat them. I think they, they care more about just getting a victory. I don't really remember my senior night at Portland State. It's not that big of a deal. It's totally different than high school. Right. Totally different high school. I understand that. In high school, you know, half the student body, there's seniors and the parents on the field and all that. But, you know, again, I, I, like you said, Jordan, I agree this, I'm, ex, I'm expecting Oregon to bring a little more effort, a little more energy, a little more enthusiasm at home than what they've been playing the road. But senior night or not senior night, I'm just curious what kind of team Oregon is going to have on this field. You know, are they going to compete and compete well? And the turnovers and uh, the offensive lack of fireworks. I've heard you guys when driving in, just it is. It's Dylan Mitchell, kind of Nikhil Harry. You got Eno Benjamin. You got two really good quarterbacks. And that's been the highlight. But last week, I'll go to last week, though. We, we were sitting here talking about Utah missing their starting quarterback, missing their starting tailback, and we're jumping on that Oregon bandwagon. So hopefully senior night does mean something to a lot of these guys because there's nine or ten of them that will play. And this maybe could be their last – it will be their last home game they'll ever play college football. Yeah, and I think this game tonight is more about Oregon's defense and less about their offense. I think people look at the 25 points against Utah, and it's not this huge bloated number. Well, keep in mind – Utah's only given up more than 30 points twice this entire season, and last time was to Arizona State. So I think the Oregon offense did their job in Salt Lake City for the most part. You're hoping your defense could have shut down a Utah team with a backup quarterback, backup running back, to under 28, 27 points to give yourself a chance for the most part. And so that's why I think tonight it's coming down to the defense and whether or not they can put a lid on some of the big playability of Benjamin, of Harry, because 
especially Benjamin, 175 yards in each of his last three games. He's had five touchdowns the last three games combined. This is going to be a huge test for the Oregon defense. Well, and you got three of the stars on defense are seniors. Mm -hmm. Jalen Jelks, Justin Hollins, and Ugo Amati. I mean, those three guys right there, this is their last home game. We're in the black. They're going all black tonight. It's a blackout. I know you. So here that, they are. Man. I I just whatever. The numbers are just way too small for me. They should be a lot bigger numbers. Oh my god. Now, I, though, but though, really, those those three guys though oh, no, have man. really impressed me this mm-hmm. year. They've been healthy. Mm-hmm. Ugo Amadi's no question the best guy in the secondary. I heard you earlier comment. I totally agree. The corners have been weak. Yeah. They have been weak. Ugo Amadi and the safeties have kind of saved them mm-hmm. a lot in the secondary. So Hollins, you got number eleven, number ninety-seven. You're going to see a lot of edge rushing, rushing from those two seniors tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And when they are playing at home over the course of the last couple of seasons, Hollins and Jelks combined for two and a half sacks a game at mm. home. So, you know, and you talk about the important factor of starting the game well. Jordan, you mentioned last week, Oregon's defense against a backup quarterback and backup running back allowed over 300 yards of offense in the first half to Shelley and Shine and the Utes. That cannot happen. You know, and so you're looking for a good start from your defense. You're looking for a good start from them early in this game. Maybe a couple of three and outs in the first quarter because the Ducks need to dictate game flow. When was the last? UCLA was the last time they dictated game flow, but three of the last four weeks, they've been playing from way behind. You're not going to be able to control the football, run the football the way that you want to when you're playing from two scores behind in the first quarter. Well, that was the issue against Utah. They couldn't stop drives. I mean, they finally were able to keep them out of the end zone when they got to the red zone, but Utah had no problem marching down the field. And when Oregon took the lead late, I think it was uh, 25-22, you're thinking, okay, if the defense can get a stop here, Oregon wins. Well, Utah scores on their next two possessions. 65 yards, seven plays, five and a half minutes. Answer. Right. Exactly, Jordan. That was Utah's answer, and Arizona State, uh, if, if they can contain what Jordan's talking about and not allow Arizona State. But again, it's home. It's Austin Stadium. It's a different vibe. It'll help. You know, again, I'm, I'm kind of going 30,000 feet a lot, all these games, looking around different but, mm-hmm. man, when Oregon plays at home, there's just a different atmosphere, especially oh, offensively absolutely. how they play. Absolutely. It's completely different at home for the Ducks. And I think when you look at what they need to do, it is about limiting the big plays. And everyone's been pointing to the issues on offense over the last couple of weeks as far as injuries on the offensive line. And, you know, your running backs have been a little banged up. Well, keep in mind, and we heard this staff from Rob Mosley on our show. He's the editor for GoDucks.com. Oregon has gone with like their fourth different starting middle linebacker over the last two years. They've had no stability at that linebacking core outside of Troy Dye. And you talk about your middle linebacker being the quarterback of the defense, and it's been a, you know, a revolving door of players for the most part. That has an impact. I understand next man up, but it's called next man up, not next next man up. I mean, at a certain point, the well gets dry, and if you have too many guys banged up, and if you look at the Oregon injury report, there's four or five linebackers on that. And a couple of them have been out for the year. So for the most part, you've got a lot of injuries in the middle part of your defense, which is going to affect a lot of phases of the game. And so can the defense overcome that? That's the biggest thing. I think the focus needs to be less on the offense because I get that's what Oregon's known for, but really the defense is going to be the key tonight. Is this Justin Herbert's last game at Autzen Stadium? No. I don't think so, to be honest. I think, you know, you look at all the mock drafts and what I think he needs one more year. I think he needs one more year to develop as a leader. Because let me ask you this, Neil. If you're bringing in a college kid that's talented, 
But to Justin's, you know, and, and this is a critique of Justin, and I think this is something he would agree on. He hasn't won that many big games where they've overcome adversity to come back from behind late. And it feels like if you're going to be trusting a starting quarterback in the NFL, you're going to have to grind out some wins week 10, week 11, week 12 when you're in a playoff race. And what well of experience does Herbert have with that? You know, is he going to be able to command control of the offense in those moments? Or does he need another year where he has those opportunities? He had the quote earlier, I wish we had one more road game rather than this home game this week so we had a chance to change the narrative. Well, he will have one more road game. That'll be some bowl in Vegas or Cactus or someplace in California maybe. But you know what? It's so interesting in the landscape of the NFL, picking quarterbacks who aren't ready. I, I, I agree what you're saying, but I'm if I'm in his shoes and his camp, and I've been told with my representatives and the league, I might be a top 15, top 10 pick. One or two of the quarterbacks pick the first round. I'm going. Mm. What Leadership, all that, out the window. Mm. These, they're all about now. I'm sorry, NFL's now. We have to win now. The Giants need a new quarterback. We need a quarterback. We need a quarterback. And uh, I love to get, I'm going to get Lee Steinberg on here this either next week or the next following week for yeah. a bowl game. He has uh, Patrick Mahomes. And he was telling me the last two years – the NFL now just they're just taking pot shots at these guys. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, I would not want to risk a quarterback and number one pick. Mm-hmm. Rather get a running back or defensive player. But these these teams now are going with it, trying to find the new you know that Matt the genie in the bottle. So my answer to that is go. Mm. If they're going to tell you and you go work out and you go to Indianapolis and you're the top three or four quarterbacks in the combine and you're going to be quote guaranteed first round pick, go. Mm. And God bless you. And I, I don't argue with you on that, to be honest. I would I would think, though, he can still develop some more. You know what I mean? I don't think he's reached his potential at Oregon yet. And that's why one more year of seasoning could help him. But at the same time, yes, if you can go, great. I think he would benefit from a situation where he's not the starter next year at some place. I think he needs to, very similar to like Mahomes, sit right. and watch for a year behind somebody. You know, in a perfect world, the Patriots trade down, you know, trade up for him and let him sit behind Tom Brady and then mm-hmm. hand him the keys a little bit later after that. But is him going to New York and being the starter with all that drama there going to be the best thing? Justin Herbert in the huddle with Odell Beckham if he's not getting his throws. You let me know how that goes, Neil. I don't know how that would go. So I, I, I had one or two guys that acted like Odell Beckham Jr., but they didn't have the hair. They weren't as good as him, no. And, and Roy Green kept his mouth quiet if he wanted some balls. So that's right. the guys. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't get on my back. But if the NFL team's going to pick you in the top ten, you're, you're going. Okay. I mean, and the Cleveland Browns are that bad, they're going to play Baker Mayfield. And the Buffalo Bills are that bad, they're playing Josh Allen. Yeah. And the New York Jets are that bad, they're playing Don. That's the way the league is. They want to win, and they're mm-hmm. going to take a chance on a genie in the bottle, and it might be Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Oregon is a four-point home favorite. Jordan Kent, your call. I've got Oregon winning 34-31. Go Ducks, Jordan. <laughs> that away. Yeah, you go with that, too? No, I'm going to go opposite. Whatever you pick, no, I'm going the opposite. I'm just okay. glad you didn't pick 31-17. to No, I changed it up. Okay. Believe it or not. Brian Perkins, 34-30 Arizona State. You're going to ASU. Ooh, yeah. There we go. 50-50 now. I agree with you, and I'm going to explain it over the next couple hours. Get out of here, I'm you guys. picking ASU. All right, more countdown to kickoff coming up on the game. Nick Alioti will join us in about seven minutes. We'll also talk to Jeff Van Raphorst, former Arizona State quarterback, and he'll join us uh, coming up in about 20 minutes from now. We go live to Austin Stadium at 7 o'clock.
to talk to James Crepe of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Cheer to newbie Neil Lomax. This is Countdown to Kickoff on 1029 750 The Game. Neil, let's whip around the other scores in the top 25 and the Pac-12 conference. Starting in the Pac-12, and Oregon State went up to Seattle. It did not go particularly well for them. Almost to be expected. To be fair, the betting spread on this was Washington by minus 33 and a half. By the time kickoff going, Peter Sampson spitted it behind the glass. Sampson, you saw that nice and clear, right? You had OSU? I did. I'm I'm not a big better. I say that repeatedly. I don't really gamble, but man, 33 and a half. I, I put a couple bucks down. I did. <laughs> well, he cashed it 42-23. Huskies beat the Beavs, but the Beavs compete, Neil. Well, okay, 35 to 7, 35-14, couple special team touchdowns at the end. But Peter's right. I saw that 33 points. That's like Utah giving me four last week. It's a no-brainer, right? But That's right. Ah, ah, they were Oregon, come on, Oregon last week. Yeah. Ah, but, man, no. Um, Apple Cup, though. They're Dude. just getting ready. They're just tuning up for that Apple Cup. Speaking of which, Washington State ranked eighth in the country, Neil. They are hosting a healthy Khalil Tate in Arizona at 730 on ESPN. No problem for the Kooks. They're going to win this game. It's going to be, what, below It'll be below 32 degrees. Has to be up there. Saw the snow in Wyoming, the snow in Colorado. It is 29 Typical degrees. Utah, Colorado game. Got the blowers out. That was cool to watch that little bit in the snow. And, again, you got to give credit to Utah. You know, they had some their destiny in their own hands going on the road. I mean, he's a Colorado team, 5-0 and to start the season. Win a couple Pac-12 games and then <laughs> gonzo. I mean, seven in a row, six in a row, right? They're five and six. Is that They're correct? Five and six right now, yeah. Lost six games in a row, three at home, including one to our Beavs. Let's go. Oregon State. 31 points Boulder. down in the second half. No problem. First winning on the road in 24 games or something like that. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was a few weeks ago. So. so who's on a hotter seat? Mike McIntyre after starting five and oh and losing six in a row with Colorado. And he just signed an extension in June. So his buyout's around 11 million. Or Clay Helton, who is not going to get USC to a bowl game. Well, eleven million in Boulder is like four million in Los Angeles. Okay, it's a Bitcoin <laughs> kind of thing here. It's it's like a lira. It's 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 a peso. It's not. You, you USC expects a lot more, especially that was embarrassing today. Rivalry game though against a Chip Kelly team that's not that good. But don't tell that to Joshua Kelly. That's incredible. Forty yeah. carries that young man had. And he put him on his back. The most rushing yards for a UCLA running back against USC in program history. 289, right? Yeah. 289 yards. Uh, he passed Gaston Green. I mean, Gaston Green. Uh, at, who, well, that's not the... No, the number one rusher in one single game has got to be Maurice Drew. Jones Drew. I, I would say Maurice Jones Drew. Jones. That would be my... Hey, what about Deshaun Foster? Well, he's coaching there. I know. So you can't coach and have the record was, at the same was, time. That's illegal. <laughs> that's illegal, right? <laughs> no, that's yeah. a good pick. If you have Such any, a trivia. We'll look that yeah. one up. I'm going to go with Jones Drew. It's either Gas because Gaston Green had a couple great years yeah. as a Bruin. UCLA running backs don't get enough credit. Everyone thinks of USC, but today it's Josh Kelly, the transfer from UC Davis, getting it done. We'll talk to another UC Davis grad coming up next. Nick Aliotti joins us for his regular segments. Judah Newby, it's Neil Lomax continuing countdown to kickoff all the way until 7.30 right here on 1029 and 750 The Game. Let's go. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. 
Six o'clock hour, 90 more minutes until kickoff. Nick Aliotti is calling in right now. He's going to join the show in moments. Neil Lomax, the College Football Hall of Famer. I'm Judah Newby. Thanks for tuning in wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your day. If you're going down to Autzen Stadium for the big game, you can also holler at us. Why not? You can tweet the program at 1029thegame. We already posed a question earlier. Will this be Justin Herbert's final game at Autzen Stadium? Nacho chimes in on Twitter saying, Why stay? But he hasn't shown what I think he was supposed to. Great pro. Way too early to say. Boy, that's a nice little challenge, adding voice inflection to tweets. But uh, Nacho makes the point, Neil, that, you know, Justin Herbert might not be ready for the NFL, but he, he can't he can't risk coming back. Well, I don't think a lot of these these guys are as quarterbacks. I know I wasn't my rookie year, but I got thrust in because of an injury. Um, you're seeing the Josh Allens and, and the Josh Rosens of the world with the Cardinals. Um, they have to play because they're losing. And the head coach's job's on the line. Uh, it, it is true. It's NFL. It's Jerry Lamb. It's not for long. You know, you're not going to be there three or four years. I mean, Hugh Jackson found that out. You draft these guys, and you thought things were, quote, going in the right direction, and you still get fired. So these GMs and these head coaches are looking around the sideline. There's only 53 guys, and they're gonna, there's only really two quarterbacks always dressed down. That third one's on, uh, you know, the, the taxi squad. You're playing these, these, these rookies, and I don't think any of these guys should be ready to play in the NFL right away. It'd be great to have them sit two or three years behind a proven vet. That's just not the nature of the beast these days. It's not. It's too big of a business to have your number one draft pick sitting on the sidelines. That's a good take from Neil. Let's go to Nick Aliotti and Coach. It's good to talk to you as always, and let's just start right there. How do you size up Justin Herbert's kind of NFL potential and his future with this looming question? Is this his final game at Autzen Stadium? You know, I think Justin Herbert is a very good quarterback. Um, I don't think they've often put him in the best place offensively, but we've seen his skills throwing the ball down the field, putting the ball in, in spots, throwing it away from the defenders, understanding coverages, strong-arm guy, can also run well enough to, to, to hurt you. He's not a, a, a great runner, but he's a good enough runner particularly for an NFL quarterback. But I agree with Neil. It's very hard. You know, whether he – I hope he stays, but it's hard to, to pass up millions of dollars when and if you're a first-round draft pick. Um, you know, that's a big decision he's going to have to make at the end of the season. But it's hard nowadays for any young quarterback, because particularly if you, when you get drafted, you go to a bad team, a team that typically needs a quarterback – and then you get thrown in there, and you haven't seen enough of that speed and, and, and all those kinds of things that you got to learn in the NFL. So it's tough on all those guys. So he's got a big decision uh, coming up, but I think he's definitely going to be a very good NFL quarterback. And, and Nick, I agree with that. I think he will down the road three, four years. But, you know, you put him in a system, and I agree with you. I've just been disappointed and kind of a head-scratcher on why Oregon's offense has been this inept, why Oregon's offense with a guy like Justin Herbert has been this ineffective. I mean, you put Justin Herbert with, with Mike Leach or with Mouth Davis, and he doubles his stats. He does. He doubles his stats. Yeah. But the NFL knows that. You know, you know that, Nick. The NFL guys, they understand that. If you're not playing at Oklahoma State or Oklahoma in the Big 12 or you're scoring 45, 50 points a game, read option, zone reads, and throwing 45 times, 
They, I think they understand that. Even that, even with that, though, I mean, Justin Herbert's still throwing 60% of his passes are completed. You know, he's got 25 straight games in his career with a touchdown. And he's a pretty effective young man. Yeah, I, 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 you know, we're saying the same thing. I think Justin Herbert is, you know, they watch the type of quarterback he is, what kind of ball he throws. He can make all the throws. He's a big guy that can sit in the pocket. He's a smart guy. He understands that stuff. He's put money, he's put balls right on the money. I think the guy, you know, it's going to come down to, hey, am I enjoying this college experience? Uh, do I want to do it one more year? Uh, the money will still be there as long as I stay healthy. A lot of decisions are going to go into Justin Herbert's. Uh, a lot of things are going to go into his decision when the season ends. But you know, these young quarterbacks that get thrust in there, a lot of times the thing I worry about: you go to a bad team, you get beat up, and some of them become shell shocked and are never that great quarterback that you envision down the road. So you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers for example, had the best of both worlds. He goes in, gets to sit behind Favre, learn the system, and then play years after, a couple years afterwards when Favre's done and, or moves on. So that's the ideal situation for a young quarterback. But as you mentioned earlier, they don't draft these guys to sit them on the bench. And many, many times they're thrust into playing. Uh, I won't say when they're not ready, but it's a different speed and a different game up there, trust me, uh, than it is in college. How do you see this matchup with Arizona State for the Oregon Ducks, Coach? Well, first, let's go backwards. I did say that the first team to 28 was four. <laughs> and, and you and did, Nick. And, and so a half an hour ago, I told Jordan Kent exactly that and Brian. I said, Nick Aliotti was the only one. We're all going, oh, my God, starting quarterbacks out, starting running backs out. Let's go, Ducks. Let's go, Ducks. I mean, I fell on that bandwagon, too. And you're, you did. You well, stepped up and you said, though, be careful. Utah's still got a great defense, and they'll come out, and they'll – you did. You said the first – Utah will get to 28. They'll win this game. So you were right. Well, I, I did pick Oregon to win. Let's be but, – but I didn't – First to 28. Start, you know, <laughs> yeah, I did say first to 28. And, and I was watching that close. They said, oh, man, <laughs> if Oregon scores again, they'll be the first to 28. But, but uh, Oregon has gotten off to – such a poor start on the road. I mean, their last three games against Washington State, zero in the first half, Arizona, eight in the first half, and then uh, Utah, seven in the first half, and not only a bad start, just not not the fact that they didn't score points, they just get nothing going and, and turnovers or just bad play, just awful starts. I don't think that'll be the case at home. They kind of are a different team at home. If you look at them at home, uh, other than the Stanford game, which would have, could have, should have won all that kind of stuff, I mm-hmm. won't go there. They've played very well at home, very well at home. They've scored, they've, they've scored in, you know, the 35s or, or more at home all year, beating Washington in the big game. Anyway, they've looked good at home. So that energy they feed off of. That being said, I really am – I hate to be critical of coaches because I was in that arena for a long time, and I know how that goes. But they've been very, very vanilla on offense, very, very vanilla. And I'd like to see them get it going with not only the run game, but more importantly with Herbert. Get Herbert going early and get that offense cranked up, going to where Arizona State has to worry a little bit more than just inside run, inside run on the first two downs. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting at home. I think that Oregon at home is a different team, as I mentioned. They're tough. But now, look at the other side. They haven't played very well in defense lately either. And Arizona State has a three-headed monster with Wilkins, who's very efficient, takes care of the ball, Eno Benjamin, strong running game, and then Nikhil Harry, a receiver that, you, that, that can hurt you deep and, and underneath or anywhere. He's a very good receiver. So a three-headed monster makes it tough. If I'm Levitt, it would be interesting to see how he, what he concocts to stop all that. But I'm telling you, you got to go in there and stop the run and let the rest play out. Do not let them be two-dimensional. Stop that run and let them have to throw it to beat you, even with Harry. And that makes the job of the pass rush and uh, just the defensive line up front that much more important, right, Coach? I mean, being able to push Arizona State back off the ball, that's not something the Ducks' defensive line has been very good at doing as of late. Even in the UCLA game, UCLA had a good amount of success rushing the ball in Onsen. People are running the ball against Oregon, and I'm surprised. You know, uh, it's interesting. They have not looked very good. Uh, And I hate to be critical, but I'm a realist. They have not looked very good on defense. They've given up 200-plus yards rushing in their last three or four games, including the game that they beat UCLA. If it wasn't for special teams, that game would have been much closer. Mm -hmm. They gave up – it was either 199 or 200, right around there. When it's 198, I say 200. What the hell is the difference? But anyway (laughs) – Two yards. uh, Two yards. Okay, yeah, that's the difference. Two yards. Good math, Neil. That's that's education. I love it. Five years of Portland State, man. But but I'm telling you, they must – if they're going to win this football game, offensively, get untracked early. Let Herbert go. you got the, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Let him go. And defensively, I'm saying I'm not going to let you run this ball. Manny, you throw it to Nikhil Harry, but we're not going to let you run because then it becomes a two-headed monster. So those seniors, and it's senior night. I was talking to Jordan about that a little. Here's the, the three bigs for Oregon, you know, Jalen Jelks. Justin Hollins and Ugo Amati will be their last games, Nick, at Autzen Stadium. And they, they've been, quite honestly, I think the three stars, the three, if you got highlights on defense, because linebacker-wise has been weak. You know, a lot of injuries because they can't stop the run, but a lot of pressure on Troy Dye. But those three seniors, Jalen Jelks, Justin Hollins, Ugo Amati, tell the listeners a little about what you've been noticing about those three, those three stars for Oregon this year. Those guys have been fantastic. And I'm going to start with Ugo Amati. You can tell that this guy understands football. He's the guy you watch. He gets everybody lined up back there. He really knows what's going on. And that's always, besides his talent level, he's a smart player. And you can see that he's directing that secondary. So he's very, very valuable to that defense. And then you got Jelks and Hollins, who are just really, really good, long, lean guys that can play the run, can play in space, can rush the passer. They've been outstanding. And then, you know, he's not a thing. You put Die in the mix. They have some really good football players, some guys that they have a chance to play at the next level. So it's baffling to me, even though I, I was sat in that chair for many years, it's baffling why they're not playing better defense Uh but I expect them to play much better tonight, but they better stop that run or it's going to be a long night. That sounds like a challenge from Coach Aliotti to the Duck defense. I mean, Jim Levitt's got to get that unit ready. 
You know, I think he's a good football coach. For whatever reason, things have not gone well the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, get that unit ready. We're going in there. Jordan Scott, let's plug up the middle. Let's get die running. Let's come off the edge. Yeah, stop the run. And I think if they stop the run tonight, they stop Benjamin, I think it will go a long way, plus what I mentioned offensively, towards them winning the football game. All right, Coach, as uh, we uh, see you on out, how do you see this one shaping out? You've been seeing the ball pretty well lately with Oregon. Wow. You know, we're looking at an Oregon team that hasn't played well in recent weeks. We're looking at an Arizona State team that's hot with Manny and Benjamin and Nikhil Harry and a chance to win the South if they win out these next two games. I am not being a homer, but that Austin crowd is kind of magical. Oregon's been tough at home. If they do, and I don't have all the answers, if they do (laughs) what I think they should do offensively with Herbert and stop that run, they win tonight. Ducks win in a close one. Sounds like Corso. Ducks in a close one. Closer than the experts think. Over under 60, Nick? You th- oh, 60 points? You got, you got a 31-29 kind of game? I think right around there, yeah. Okay. I okay. really do. I think, six, I think 60 is a good a good over. Love it. Judah, with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'll, and I'll Nick's right. It. I'm going to go with Nick. Whoever gets a 29 now. So that 28, whoever gets a 29. <laughs> That's my new number. It'll be 30 in the Civil War. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for the time. We'll talk to you next week ahead of the Ducks and Beeves. That'll be a lot of fun. You know what, guys? I really enjoy visiting with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. There he is. Take care, Nick. Coach freaking Aliotti. Ah, that guy's the man. Love him as always. Neil, before we go out, because we're going to talk to Jeff Van Rapport's coming out, but uh, we had a caller call in patiently, listen, that entire segment, and they've got a question for you in particular. Let's go to Sam in Portland. Hopefully Sam, I have an answer. Sam, what do you want to talk to Lomax about? Neil, I think you're the best person to answer this question. I'm a lifelong Portland State Viking fan, which means I remember the two Hall of Fame teams that played, uh, that were inducted this year. I've watched the Tim Walsh era, the Pokey Allen. I've seen it all. And I'm not convinced by the body of work from Barnum over these last three years, 7-26, and 15-game losing streak, that he's the answer. How do we get back to the glory, and are we really going to suffer through another year of Barney Ball? Because Barney Ball now is losing, and you're the best person to to ask this question to. It's 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 an embarrassment to what the Portland State University Viking football team used to be and is known for. Am I wrong? Well, number one, Sam, thanks for bringing up real college football questions in Portland State University. You know, I'm getting tired of talking about Oregon and Oregon State. Now now you actually got a true college fan talking about Portland State. So I'm, I'm tongue-in-cheek there. Well, Judah and I went to the game last night, Sam. I took my partner here we did. in crime, and we watched uh, Eastern Washington pretty much red everywhere and knocked the crap out of our Vikings. And, and maybe I'm not the best person to ask that because it's a financial decision. Sam, that's the issue unfortunately, at the park blocks that maybe USC's and the Oregon's don't have. Uh, you're not winning. You're going you're gonna to fire your head coach. And Coach Barnum has, what, two, I think, three more years on a guaranteed extension contract, and that means a lot on the park blocks. That means a lot to Portland State Athletics. Uh, I don't buy a, a home uh, field yet. You know, they can still – nothing was going on at Providence Park last night. They could have played at Providence, Providence Park last night, but they're at Hillsboro. 
So find a field, doesn't matter. I don't care where you play, you got to win. You got to bring Mouse back. Hey, if Mouse comes back, that'd be great. Oh, Something man. like that. But it's a difficult situation the athletic department has, Sam, because financially it's difficult to fire these coaches when you're going to owe them 180, 200,000 in Portland State. And a lot of times you cannot afford it. We ran into Vernon Adams on the way into the game last night. We that did. Was fun. We did. Got to uh, have you and Vernon meet. That was cool. Hey, he's played a few uh, years in Canadian Football League. Yes, he has. All right. Coming up next, Jeff Van Rapport's former Arizona State quarterback took him to a Rose Bowl. He did. Him and Neil will talk some QBs and Pac-12 football in this ASU-Oregon matchup. That's coming up in two minutes. Countdown to kickoff. More next. We go live to Hudson Stadium at the top of the 7 o'clock hour with James Crepia, the Oregonian, and Oregon Live. He will set the scene ahead of senior night. Senior nights for Ugo Amadi, Jalen Jelks, Justin Hollins, Tony Brooks, James, and more. Is it also the final game at Audson Stadium for Justin Herbert. We continue to discuss that narrative. Neil Lomax, the College Football Hall of Famer. I'm Jude Anubi, and we go to the lines right now with uh, Jeff Van Rapport. He's also live at Audson Stadium because he's going to be part of the call of this game for Arizona State and the former ASU quarterback and Rose Bowl champion in 1987. New Year's 1987 joins us on the line right now. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming on. This is Neil Lomax. I, we just, uh, folks, I just called Jeff a couple days ago and uh, met a few times down there. We have mutual friends and Johnny Missler. And I go, man, we got to get a color commentator on. We don't know a whole lot about ASU uh, with first-year Herm Edwards. So give us a little take, uh, Jeff, what you've seen so far. You know, um, I think expectations were a little bit mixed of what was going to happen with the Herm Edwards experiment, if you will. And you know, he hadn't coached in a while. He's really come in and done a nice job. You know, Neil, he kind of came in with this attitude of, I'm going to coach the coaches. And I was like, wow, is that really going to fly, you know, with college kids and, and everything else? And he's done a great job. He stayed out of the way. He lets the coaches coach. He kind of he drives the ship. He sets the expectations. And he's, he's very much a, a, I would call him more of a pro-style coach. Here's the expectations. Get it done. Somebody goes down, you better be ready to get in the game. And, and you know, it's really worked. Guys have played well. We've handled a lot of change. Um, we've had a new offense, a new defense, new coaches everywhere. A lot of terminology has been different. We'll see how they do up here on the road, but it's been uh, been pretty exciting, and I think he's exceeded expectations. Yeah, you look at uh, Arizona State this season, and a three-game win streak right now, Jeff. That's their longest win streak in conference since 2014. They have did it with a little bit of everything. What have you seen out of this team over the last three games? You know, more than anything, it's the power running game. We kind of made a commitment to run. If you look at our run-pass mix, we're, you know, we're running 65 70% runs. I think it's taken a lot of pressure off of Manny Wilkins, our, our big-time quarterback. But, you know, the nice thing is when your running game is going good, then you got to walk a safety down in the box. you got to, you got to move guys closer to the line of scrimmage. And then for us, that opens up shots and big plays to our big wide receiver, Nikhil Harry. So, you know, we're, we're pretty much a three-headed monster. With, we've got a pretty mobile quarterback that can move pretty accurate. Um, done a good job, but we've got a running back who's phenomenal. And the biggest thing about Eno Benjamin, you know, if you look at him, and he's chasing Woody Green's record at ASU, and he needs about 280 yards to get that. You know, he might he might get there, depending on you know, he's got three more games, hopefully with a bowl game, and it'll be fun to fun to watch. But that's our offense: it's power, it's run, it's time time of possession. I equate it more to a, a pro style than what. Neil ran with Miles Davis in Portland State when he came out running, run, run and shoot, rich, scramble, right, basic, and all that stuff that Miles <laughs> brought in. 
<laughs> you got that right. Well, I'm looking at, you know, Manny Wilkins is your, is ASU's second leading rusher. He's rushed the ball 83 times, 444 yards, six TDs. That's not a big surprise in college football, but you're right. Uh, Eno, 227 carries this year. I mean, he is the workhorse. Yeah, they, they really give him ball a lot. It's, you know, they're blocking well for him. He handles the ball very efficiently, meaning, you know, we've had, I think the stat is like 780 rushing attempts without a running zero, back fumbling the ball. Yeah, zero fumbles. I, I read that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, just, it's, just, it's just crazy numbers. So, Eno is um, Eno's very explosive, but, you know, it'd be interesting to get your take on it. When you watch him, for me, it's not about somebody's athletic ability. It's about their mental ability to decide to pick the right hole because you have to pick the right hole at the right time at the right pace. And he just has whatever it is. If you could bottle it up, he's got a lot of it. What do you what do you make of the last two games coming on the road for Arizona State still controlling their fate in the uh, South Division? I know they're trying to keep the stiff arm of Utah, who will not go away with a backup quarterback and backup running back, Jeff. Yeah, I know. I know we like we knocked their quarterback out, and you know, I think one thing about like Utah and, and really what we're trying to get to is if you have a power running game. That travels well. It plays well in the wind and the snow and the cold. Mm-hmm. You know, a running game works. Right. And, and, and that's kind of what Utah plays. We're trying to get there on the road. The last two games is tough. But, you know, quite honestly, let's be honest, the, Pac, the Pac-12 South has been a, a big disappointment across the entire conference. To be sitting here and controlling your own destiny with our record is nobody saw that one coming. Hey, Jeff, flip, flip it over the other side of the ball. You know, everybody's in love with Dylan Mitchell and what he's done. I mean, it's Nikhil Harry numbers. Uh, these two guys really match up well. It's going to be fun to watch that. But tell us defensively, the corners, Kobe Williams, uh, Taron Adams, who, who, who are we looking for to try to take away number 13 for the Ducks? Yeah, you know what? You know what's interesting? Like, you know, you and I would think that, you know, who's, who's the guy that's going to take away your number one receiver, you know, RDB against your wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But they'll, they're going to come out and play a boundary corner and a field corner. So 24 is going to go to the boundary. That'll be Chase Lucas. Five will go to the field, and Kobe Williams. You know, Kobe Williams isn't real big, um, but he plays aggressive. You know, he's a smaller guy. He comes up and hits you. So, to me, I don't know who's going to take him away because I'm not sure where you're going to line him up. You know, are you going to line him right. up and play slot. him at the boundary? Yep. And, yeah, or move him into slot to get a matchup on the safety? If I were you guys, I would attack our safeties because we've had a couple guys go down on the safety side. I'd also run a, a ton of, you know, crossing routes, pick routes, climb routes, you know, stuff going from right to left at different levels of the offense because, you know, our starting inside linebackers out. But, you know, we start we start two true freshman linebackers, you know, and Merlin Robbins is out the first half. So we're scrambling there. I would attack the short middles if I were you guys. And then, and then you know, then figure out, okay, do you want to try to match up on the boundary corner, field corner? Yeah, that's Merlin Robertson that Jeff's talking about. He has also has five sacks, has to sit out the first half targeting we're talking to jeff ran Raphorse, color commentator for for arizona state by the way jeff you had inducted rose bowl hall of fame 2006 man for beating michigan that's pretty cool let's go yeah no that was it was good i mean it was you know it's funny my career was kind of like what we're seeing right now we had a good running game and it traveled and we had a phenomenal defense and you know they'd give you the ball as a quarterback and say look don't screw it up <laughs> Come on, man. I'll give yourself a little credit. I yeah. mean, you guys beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl and the Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good time. It's fun, to, it's fun to win. It's fun to be in an opportunity to win a big game, and it's fun when you uh, can achieve it. How did, uh, did Chris Miller, was he a good teammate with you with the Atlanta Falcons in 87? 
You know what's funny is I actually was one of those guys, and, and I don't want to say it real loud, I guess you can now, I actually crossed the ticket line. I was free agent at Denver and uh, ended up number three at Denver and then got released because there was enough roster spots and tried out and bounced around the NFL here and there. But, yeah, Chris was there and, and uh, got to meet him a little bit, but not, not a whole lot. So it's, he's always, you know, it's Oregon's is one of those factory schools. I was laughing. I was going through the stats and, you know, you go back to Dan Fouts and Chris Miller and O'Neill and all these guys, Kellen Clemens, I think had a phenomenal career. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, a lot of great quarterbacks come out of here. You know, Jeff, I know uh, you're getting ready for a big broadcast, so we'll let you go. But right now, man, I'm leaning Arizona State in this game, and I'm not sure if you're comfortable making predictions or not. You don't have to, but at the same time, do you think I – can you validate my lean to ASU in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, based on momentum and and what we've done and how we've done it, I think you lean that way. problem is I just can't get a beat on the Pac-12. You know, I thought thought Colorado would would have a shot at Utah, and that surprised me. you know, every time I think I got this conference or game figured out, I, I get humbled. So what do you think, Neil? I, I thought USC was going to beat UCLA today, too, by the way. So I had that going for right. me. You know, you're right. It, it, it's crazy. It's crazy cro- across the whole landscape of college football except for Alabama. And they, they took a nap in the first half against the Citadel and then woke up. But I, I'm, I'm actually leaning to it because I haven't seen much in Oregon, Jeff. I'm telling you, we've been kind of pumping them up for the first three, four, five weeks of the season. They kind of got lucky against Washington, and they're laying eggs on the road. So now they're coming home to Autzen. Everybody says the energy. I've never played there, but it's unbelievable. So, And, you know, Jeff, you know in college and pros, when you go on the road, it's a different beast. But if Arizona State does what they've been doing, and you're calling it right, if Eno Benjamin carries 25 times, has his average, which is 130 yards, Arizona State's going to win this football game. Yeah, no, I, I think that's. I think we want to make this game muddy. You know, we just want to just put it into a slugfest. And, <laughs> Good way to put you it. Know, that's what that's that's what Utah that's what Utah does, right? They just they just make it a mess, and every time you run out there, it's three four yards, and you get hit harder than hell, and you don't want to go back out there anymore. All right, Jeff. Hey, it's great talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time, and have a great call tonight. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Take care, Neil. Hey, thanks, Jeff. There he is. Jeff Van Rapphorst, former Arizona State great, Rose Bowl Hall of Famer, won the Rose Bowl, of course, with ASU, New Year's of 87 over Michigan. He joined us on the line live from Monson Stadium. Neil, that was a lot of fun. The Lomax Rolodex coming through again. Well, I either had, okay, Mark Malone. Do I talk to Danny White? Do we give it? There's a guy named Dan Minucci who's like the, the, the main guy on radio. He's, he's the, the voice of, of sports talk radio and an ASU guy throughout Tempe and the Scottsdale, Phoenix area. And, uh, but then I go, I'm going down and talking to my buddy John Missler. He goes, talk to Jeff Van Rapport. He's the color commentator. He'll give you the inside scoop in which he did. All right. Then let us down. That's so good. Jeff, appreciate the time as always. Peter Sampson is spinning it, and he's got a scoreboard update coming for you right now. More countdown to kickoff. We enter hour two. Coming up next, James Crappy of the Oregonian joins us at 7 o'clock. Neil and I will give our predictions on this game. And with an hour to go till kickoff, we're both leaning to the fighting Herms. We see if we can... Uh, leaning. Lean just leaning. Leaning. All right, Samson, it's all you. Well, appreciate Jeff Van Rapport jumping on with us, giving an ASU perspective. He was down on the field previewing the game that's going to happen on the field in one hour so that was good stuff and hearing you guys talk quarterbacks neil is is always good let's talk about this asu quarterback and manny wilkins redshirt senior so his fifth year in the program he had his senior day last week and they you know got a fight from ucla but they ended up holding off the bruins in the end to get the win 
you've mentioned it before. It seems like Manny has been with the Sun Devils forever. <laughs> it does feel like it. But the characteristics, composure, and leadership uh, really come to mind with Manny Wilkins. He he won't blow you away with his physique or his sheer talent, but man, he's consistent and he seems to always stay poised. And he engineered the upset of the Ducks last year down in Tempe. Well, and and don't be surprised if if he doesn't run the ball eight, nine, ten times tonight. Uh, he extends plays. He's a lot like Justin Herbert in that way, and I think 80%, 90% of quarterbacks in college football are that way now. They all are a triple threat. What I mean by that is they got, they got the arm, they got the feet, but they also read. These RPOs, the, the run-pass options, the zone reads, the checkouts, as you see everybody watching college football night, you'll, you'll always have what they call a freeze. They won't call the first play. They do the snap count. They all pop up. They look to the sidelines for the adjustment. You're trying to figure out defensively you're in formation recognition. So defenses get set up based on your offensive formation. So you wait to the last possible three, four to five seconds left on that play clock to call the play. Manny Wilkins does it very well. He's the last guy to do the adjustments, do an audible, and then snap the ball live. So a guy who's played, and it's very rare in college football that a quarterback's been around, what, four, five years? Pretty, pretty special guy. And he's got a great supporting cast. That wide receiver, we see him make highlights every single week in Nikhil Harry. I know it's a college version, so take this with a grain of salt. But from a pure physique standpoint, dude looks like Julio Jones looked when he was playing in Tuscaloosa. And Same type of player. 6'4", 225 with that speed. And he's a junior. Yeah. So the discussion should be also with Nikhil Harry. He's going. If you go the pros, you know, Justin Herbert. So don't, don't flip the coin heads, tails, different ways. Yeah, Nikhil Harris gets told you're going to be one of the top picks, if not the number one wide receiver to go in the draft. Are you staying an extra year? No, Hell no. He's out of there. You're going. Yeah. You have to go. Especially with the quarterback change at your college. There's no question. So you take advantage of that, and health is is key. He's been healthy this year. Mm-hmm. and But the numbers are amazing between him and Dylan Mitchell right now. It's kind of, kind of fun to look at the numbers because Dylan Mitchell's at 64 catches, for a thousand yards, he just broke over the thousand yards barrier last last game. He's at thousand and two yards. Uh, Nikhil Harry, sixty-two catches, two less, for nine hundred twenty-eight yards. So he gets uh, you know seventy-two more yards. He's at a thousand yards. He's got nine TDs though. But don't be surprised. Now I watched some film. I've, I've watched Arizona State play a little bit. Uh, Frank Darby is not a bad receiver either, and Kyle Williams, number ten, comes in a lot. So. When Manny Wilkins can't find number one, you're going to go to 84 and 10. So, folks, as you watch the game tonight, uh, Oregon will do the same kind of thing. Press man, safety on top, take away Nikhil Harry. If you do that, you're going to see Frank Darby and Kyle Williams catching some footballs. Nikhil Harry is the only player in the country to have scored a touchdown receiving, rushing, and on punt return this year. And he also takes direct snaps out of the Sparky formation. So this guy's going to be touching the ball early and often. And you know what? Like, I just love watching. There's some guys you're just attracted to watching on the football field. Nikhil Harry is one of mine. I, I will watch every snap that that guy plays because he's always a big play waiting to happen. But then the third piece to that is the Pac-12's leading rusher in Eno Benjamin. And, Neil, when the Ducks match up against Eno Benjamin with 12 rushing touchdowns this year, it's going to be on Oregon's defensive line, particularly at nose tackle. And I got to be honest, for as good and as dominant early in the season as Jordan Scott was, he has not been playing as well. Mario Cristobal said that earlier this week that Jordan 
knows that he needs to play better, and he just it needs to happen right now. So here we go. The Ducks' defense against the run has been poor the last month in particular, but all season long, and now they get the tough test in Eno Benjamin. How do you see that shipping up? It's, it's every week, these running backs. We thought it would be a week off last week when – uh, you know, Moss was out. He right. got hurt. So, and then here comes Armand Shine for Armand Shine and you said, you love it. Shelly and Shine. Shelly and Shine, man. They ripped him. And then you had Joshua Kelly against that USC vault, vaulted defense. Mm-hmm. Goes for 286. Mm-hmm. So here we are, the Ducks. And don't don't just pick on Jordan Scott. I know he's a two-gapper, meaning he's got to take both A-gaps away at nose guard. That's a difficult position in a 3-4 defense. The linebacker should be making all the tackles. That's what really should happen in a 3-4. You, you control the gaps as a defensive end, and as a nose tackle, and then linebackers make the hits. And that's the, the issue with if Keith Sims is healthy enough, Troy Dye, uh, hopefully Lamar Winston is healthy enough. Yeah, they've been banged up. Yeah, they got dings. Everybody else is the same situation. Come on, it's week 10, week 11. You're, you're having everybody has some type of a, 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 an ouchie. That's how it is. So um, we'll, we'll see how well Jordan Scott will do getting that two-gapper, but I'm looking for pressure from the edge. You've got to put pressure to make Eno Benjamin kick out. He needs a back. You go outside. We Oregon's got great sideline to sideline pursuit defense. They're really sharp. That's what I've noticed. They can go sideline to sideline. It's between the tackles and the hash marks. Been pretty weak. Yeah, and Troy Dye, hopefully he can step up and have a big game. He's led the Ducks in tackles in six of their seven Pac-12 games so far. And you look, I mean, there should be a dynamic player on every single level of the defense. And on senior night, how about Hollins and Jelks coming up with another big game? When those two guys have played together at Alton Stadium, they've been producing the tackles for loss. They've been producing the sacks. And this is their last chance to do it at Alton. Looking for big games out of those guys. And I, and I expect to see them on Sundays as well, uh, somewhere down the road. I mean, maybe not top picks two or three rounds into it. You might see uh, a, a, a Justin Hollins go or a Jalen Jelks go. But they've just been fun to watch for, for Oregon. I, I love the athleticism. I said this in week one or two. There's a guy I played against for years, not. And speaking of, a guy, Antonio Pierce, linebacker for New York Giants and Washington Redskins. He's actually coaching linebackers with ASU. Kind of reminds me of a Jalen Jokes, Justin Hollins, Antonio Pierce on the sidelines for the (laughs) Sparky Package. Can you believe that? You brought Sparky Package out. It's a Sparky formation, man. Nice. They got it. There's a lot of really interesting names on Herm Edwards' coaching staff that you know. I'm going to pitch those to you coming up in our next segment. We'll look at what Oregon has to do offensively against this Danny Gonzalez-led defense for Arizona State. More countdown to kickoff. Chuda Newby, Neil Lomax, coming up next on 102.9-750 The Game. Well, very, very, very good route runner and um, good after the catch. Uh, Number 13 shows up. Got that kind of guy. You get 64 catches, I guess. He's averaging almost 16 yards a catch and eight touchdown passes. So uh, he's a handful. They move him around. Does a nice job of coming up with the contested balls. You know, and that's what the good receivers are able to do. Uh, when you have them covered, they still find a way to catch the football. Uh, he's a good runner uh, after the catch. So uh, we're going to have our hands full figuring out how to how to defend that guy. That's what you do, man. You dress up the opponent, and then you try to take him out at the knees. Metaphorically, not literally. It's football. Welcome back. Countdown to kickoff. He's Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. And that was Herm Edwards talking about Oregon receiver Dylan Mitchell, who's been targeted about 80 times in the last seven games when he's gone on this insane run. Dylan Mitchell, the only player in Oregon Duck program history to have at least six receptions in seven consecutive games. 
He'll probably get to that six reception mark again tonight because ASU is down a couple of key pieces in the secondary. Neil, you played against Herm Edwards a few times in the NFL. You know, Roy Green was your go-to receiver. Dylan Mitchell is Justin Herbert's go-to receiver. How did Herm Edwards do as a player trying to lock up Roy Green back in the day? I used to, I used to see his, uh, his name a lot. Because Roy Green would be going right by him. Right by him. So I'd see number 46 trailing 81 <laughs> three out of four times a game. Uh, uh, Herm would, would actually take away either Roy uh, or J.T. Smith, and sometimes they'd put Herm Edwards in the slot over a tight end. And we had Jay Novacek, Robert Awal for a few years, really good tight ends, Doug Marsh. And this is 84, 85, 86, and uh, they'd move Herm around. So he just wasn't that uh, that corner. And as you people know, he's he's famous for the uh, Miracle of the Meadowlands. Meadowlands. He's the one to pick up the fumble mm-hmm. um, when they bobble the snap with no time left before they used to have the victory formation. They're going to run a running play. They were. And quarterback fumbled the snap. You remember who Boy. the quarterback was? Oh, yeah. Don't tell me. Pisarchik. Gah! You're, you're, yeah. Judy, you're really good. Well, you know what? I remember that because uh, Pisarchik was the quarterback. Jake Pisarchik played offensive line for the Ducks, and I'm not even sure if there's relation between those two Pisarchiks, but I remember that always stuck in my head. Pisarchik was the Giants quarterback that day because there were two miracles at the Meadowlands. The Deshaun Jackson punt return, punt return touchdown that came, you know, later in the 21st century. Pisarchik, and you had Ron Jaworski on their side. So... What do you think of Jaws? The, the you know the country of Poland was well represented in that game with the stud quarterback. <laughs> Only two Polish quarterbacks ever to play, I guess. I love Jaws. Jaws and I had seven eight years together. It was fun before Randall Cunningham came in the league. Who is talking that? Talk about an athlete. You're talking about Dylan Mitchell, an awesome athlete, no question. By the way, he he's you know one of seven players in the country with over a thousand yards receiving. Yep. So Herm Edwards is not just tooting his horn, or it's not just ice on the cake, or you're buttering up. It's legit. He is great. The yak yardage are amazing, the yards after catch. And my biggest question for the Ducks really are then, who else are they going to go to? And that's what I've been really frustrated with watching this team play. When C.J. Vardell, uh, hopefully he can play, understand he has a neck injury. He's going to yes. be good to go. In fact, Peter Sampson just uh, saw it on Twitter and relayed it in the break. It looks like C.J. is dressed down, ready to rock, right, Sampson? Uh, yeah, he's dressed. Okay, all right, and and hopefully he's he's had a, a neck injury lately, but yeah, hopefully he can produce today, Neil. Okay, but I'll, let's talk about production then. Where, where's Jalen Red? Where's Johnny Johnson the third? Jacob Brindlin needs to catch more than two or three balls in this game. I hope Schooler has a big day. There there's need to, there are other targets out there to really to me execute this offense that's required for a quarterback of Justin Herbert standard. And that's I've been just sitting there going, what the going on here mm-hmm. because yeah I understand you want to run the ball and you know Jeff Van Rapphorst talked about it too well you have a guy like Eno Benjamin that's had it 227 carries I mean 227 carries CJ Vardell's carried 151 times for 744 yards that's all Eno Benjamin's at almost 1200 he's at what 1200 1300 yep. 1341 yards on pace to break Woody Green's record who's that? from Jefferson High School that's right. Woody Green, you, I believe he's from Jefferson brought, High School, you right? You brought him up earlier in the year for something. I can't remember. You Google what it was that, for. make sure I'm right. I'm, I'm very sure Woody Green is from Jefferson High School. He's a Democrat, and I don't know how the Ducks missed out on him, but I'm pretty sure he won. He's a PIL guy, and so you got two really good wide receivers. But the the biggest issue for me with the Ducks, Justin Herbert needs to go to number two and number three, and I'm anxious again for Marcus Arroyo. Who are those guys? 
How creative are you going to be to make sure there's other targets, other touches for these other players instead of just worried about number 13? You're exactly right. Jefferson High School. Have I ever been wrong? No, you've never been wrong. I've never been wrong. Oh, well. Not once. Not that I can remember. Don't let my don't let Lori know yeah, about exactly. that. Yeah, Lori let's, all, let's all bring her in. Lori will see you during the game, right? <laughs> we'll ask her that question. Has Neil ever been wrong? Uh, but but you're right. And it'll again, it'll Kidding. be up to the duck. Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. <laughs> it'll be up to the duck defensive line to try to shut down Eno Benjamin in this game. But you're right. And, and uh, as far as the Pac-12 era is concerned, how about this for Arizona State? They have the longest active streak in FBS of scoring at least seven points. They've scored at least seven points in 131 straight games. No other team in the country has that kind of a streak. But ASU hasn't won in Autzen Stadium, Neil, since 2004. So Oregon is 5-0 and in the last five against was ASU. Was Jeff Vaphorst the quarterback? <laughs> no, but do you know who was the head coach? Dick Cut. No. Uh, Dirk Cutter. Oh, was it Dirk? You're right. I was going to say it wasn't... Uh... I was going to go with somebody else. Cooper, no. Um, They've had a Cooper, lot of coaches. Doug Cooper like. was there yeah. eight, early, 80, a lot early, because yeah, he was yeah. the coach Late 80s, for Van Rapport's team. In 87, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's right. He was there a lot earlier than Dick Cutter. Okay. Yeah, but Dirk was there, and of course, Dirk was an OC at Oregon for a while. And and Daryl Rogers was there, no, too, for no. a while after. But Frank Cush is the famous. That's right. People who go way back who are like old as dirt like me remember Frank Cush and would take those boys up to Camp Tatazano. I mean, you, th- you think Bear Bryant? I'm, I'm telling you some true stories. These are right from the sources from my ASU buddies. It was hell what he put those players through back in those days. Okay, I want to learn more about that. Off the air. Off the I'll, air. I'll teach okay. you off the air, my young apprentice. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. Gold with Lomax. All right, we're going to go live to Odson with James Carpe, the Oregonian. Coming up next, more countdown to kickoff, taking until 730. Hey, be sure to tune into the Oregon College Football Postgame Show right after final whistle till midnight, myself and Neil. And we'll tell you more about where we're going to be live Black Friday for the Civil War. Tell you all the deets coming up. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brood Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Final half hour of another lively edition, as always, of Countdown to Kickoff. I'm Judah Newby. He's the College Football Hall of Famer, Neil Lomax. Peter Sampson spinning it behind the glass, as always. We've already talked to Jordan Kent. We've talked to Nick Aliotti. We've talked to Jeff Rip Van Raphorst. We've talked to each other. We were talking about Markel Fultz's free throw motion in the commercial break. We get a little bit of everything. Man, if they put a camera on us in the commercial breaks, it'd be a whole nother show. I mean, we've got to be careful. We'd be canceled in, in 30 days. <laughs> don't, 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 don't kid yourself. We're, we're not that good. But the best part of the show is always. James is good. James, James gets the inside scoop. James Creppy of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. James, first off, how's the energy? How you feeling? You've been in New York all week. You just flew red eye back. Uh, did you get some shut eye along the way after covering Ducks basketball and MSG? Well, I slept a little bit on the planes, uh, but uh, I'm already two Red Bulls deep after uh, a couple hours uh, of being awake here this afternoon, and I have a third one with me. So we're a, we're a little bit on the struggle bus, but hey, part of the part of the fun, part of the job, and uh, a privilege to do it. So. Hey, Good. You, you should just get a little uh, five minutes with Aaron Feld, you know, and he'll wake you up in no time. The Duck strength coach, right? <laughs> <laughs> that might be the end of me, especially on a day like this. But uh, as I say, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it was enjoyable to cover uh, cover the men's basketball games, a couple of games in the Garden. Uh, obviously, always a great environment, uh, and it certainly wasn't the second game.
game. The first game was a little bit rough, uh, not just the result for the Ducks, but uh, just rough in general. That was not very well played basketball. But the second game certainly was a better result, not only for Oregon, but the game as a whole. Uh, electric crowd in the Garden for, for with, with Syracuse and down and stuff. And Oregon was able to send them home uh, an 0 for two, and then send the Orange crowd home. Very disappointed. So it's a productive trip. Like I say, happy to be back at Austin, uh, final home game of the season, and uh, one more round of football here, uh, at least at home before we get to the war. Yeah, so James, so we put Bull Bull outside on the numbers, inside the in the red zone, just go a little fade. What do you what do you think? I, I don't care if you were there or I was throwing the ball. I I would think nine out of ten times he'd probably come down with that little go route from the twenty. I I, I, I I'm not sure that Dana Altman would want to see Bull Bull up against. I don't care about Dana Altman, man. This is football. Yeah. That, that's basketball. Come yeah. on, football overrides yeah. the damn basketball program on campus. Come on. Absolutely. Hey, hey, if you want to put a big target out there, hey, you definitely give you that. Uh, again, I'm not sure how he'd be able to handle uh, some of the hits that would come his way necessarily. Hit, but, hit. Hey, He's in the end zone. He's just get a foot in the end zone and get out of bounds. Cause that's your, I don't want to bring him in until about the 15-yard line, James. Hey, James. The defender would have to be on films to try and defend him, that's for sure. When you look at the, this uh, football game on the field, man, I tell you what, James, I, I know that trying to predict the Pac-12 is is anybody's guess. You know, you pick one thing, it, it goes the other. But I enter this game with a thought that I see Wilkins, I see Harry, I see Benjamin, I see a Ducks defense that's been struggling against the run. It's hard for me to get optimistic about Oregon in this football game. How do you see it? That's that's kind of been my perspective all week on it is, you know, prove, prove me wrong here. Pro- prove that this defense can get back to stopping the run. Uh, because when they did early in the season, you know, look, non-conference, we know the non-conference schedule wasn't very good. You know that. And uh, two of those teams are on the worst in America at right. running football. So let's not use those stats too well. But I think we all got a little too caught up early on in the, in the performance against Stanford, against the run. And that we've quickly all come back down to earth <laughs> in the perspective of this defense, especially the last three weeks. And last week was really, really brutal. Uh, and look, it doesn't get any better with the perspective of what Utah did today. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they go out and win. Yeah. But you, you guys saw the box score in the stat lines for Shelley and Shine that game. Shine didn't barely did anything. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a game that was built to be run in those conditions. So don't tell me that. It becomes that much better just because Utah won. No, Utah won against a not very good Colorado team, and the two players who beat you up last week on offense didn't play very well, and they managed to do it. So, again, I say I agree with you. I, I think with the offensive firepower that Arizona State has, the Oregon defense has to prove itself here. They have to prove a, a lot of people who, whether it be fans, doubters, media, whoever, they have to prove themselves that they are actually worthy of being considered a pretty good team uh, on defense against the run like they used to be earlier this season. And that, that wasn't all smoke and mirrors against some really bad teams. You know, and a quick follow-up from me on that, James, is I think of Jordan Scott at the nose tackle position. And just as, you know, we like to say, well, it's hard to see how well Jordan Scott is playing when he's playing well because it's not like he's going to accumulate all the TFLs and all the sacks, right? He's there to plug up the gaps. But then similarly, it's sometimes hard to say whether or not he's playing poorly because, you know, he... He's trying to do his best, but then the Duck defense is holding up, not holding up very well against the run. When it comes to Jordan Scott in particular, and then I guess the Ducks defensive line collectively, what kind of insights have you gleaned from the coaching staff as far as do they just need to step up their game and be playing better football to shut down the run? 
Well, look, the front seven as a whole really has to be, you have to evaluate the whole unit when you're talking about against the run. Because it really doesn't come down to any one guy. You're right. Now, it does start with a 3-4 front. It does start with Jordan That starts with the most back. That's first. And he put it on himself after last week. And they know that he has to get better. You know, coaching staff knows he has to get better. He knows he has to get better. Uh, but is he the sole person responsible? No. And we understand the injuries that have happened to the front seven as a whole. Between Austin Talia being out at different points, but now he's back. And then the linebacker four being ravaged by injuries. Now, Samson New is suited up tonight, so that helps, but he's still, remember, the third linebacker in that position. Uh, they're already out. Obviously, a lot of fellow and I have played, so you start going any further down, if they were to suffer really any additional injuries at linebacker, it starts to get pretty dire pretty fast uh, as far as just you run that scholarship bodies and go out there. All fine and well and good. That's your context, but end of the day, guys, no matter how good some of these players may be, some of these opposing running backs may be on paper, especially in the Pac-12, no matter what kind of production, these are not, as it stands today, not a single one of the last three backs who has torched the Oregon defense is an NFL back. Not today, they're not. Not even close. They aren't today, and I would bet a large sum of money that they won't be. That's not knocking those players. I'm just talking about I have seen what first-round running backs look like in the SEC year after year after year. And, plenty, and look, there's plenty in the Pac-12 over the years. Those three are not going to be that level of back. They're not. Sorry. J.J. Taylor may be a very talented player, but he's not an NFL back right now. And he had a field day. Now you're playing Eno Benjamin. We'll see if he eventually becomes that level player. He's only a sophomore. But if he has a big night tonight, that's going to be very hard for Oregon to overcome. It just is. Well, let's flip it over to the other side, uh, James. Uh, Nick Galioli was on talking about, hey, Justin Herbert needs to get to a fast start. They need to get Justin Herbert out there and do the things he does well. And I'm, I'm scratching my head going, well, wait a minute. Besides Dylan Mitchell... You know, he's handed the ball off to C.J. Vardell and some other running back. There's no one else out there that has really stepped up to help this, quote, All-American Heisman Trophy candidate because I'm looking at stats here, and besides Dylan Mitchell, you know, I've had, there's not been a Jalen Red sighting, Johnny Johnson, Jacob Breeland, Kano Dillon, understand, is out, uh, Brandon Scores, possession receiver. Last four or five weeks, we talked about the running game, there's not a lot of – fireworks besides Dylan Mitchell that he can go to. Are, are you seeing anything different this week that makes you like, oh, there's going to be a coming out party for one of these players? The only thing that can give you a ton of optimism there, and you're, you're precise, first of all, all of you just said was right. This wide receiver for it does not have the depth of talent that it needs for the quarterback. This year. That's why all the fans were criticizing saying either they criticize the play one, they criticize the two conservative, or they want Justin Herbert to go out there and throw for four and 500 yards a game. We've been talking about for weeks, guys. Who's going to catch it? Right. Outside of Dylan Mitchell, who's going to get the ball? How would you like to distribute those yards? And don't tell me that, oh, well, this guy can make an acrobatic play or this guy can make some deep catch. You can't rely on that consistently. You're talking about who else in that receiver court can you turn to for six to eight catches for anywhere from 50 to 100 yards a game? No one. No one. That's just reality. So, having said that, what gives you optimism this week? Well, Arizona State's without three starting defenders in this game. Now, one of them was only for the first half, but they're without the leading tackler. He's gone. Harvey's out. They're without their second leading tackler, Peter and Sachs, for the first half because of the target call last week. And they're without a starting uh, defensive back also in King. So you're down two starters in the secondary and a starting linebacker for the first half who's your top pass rusher. Let's put it this way. If you were trying to make an argument 
realistically, that Oregon could have one of its more productive passing nights of the season in Pac-12 mm -hmm. play. Yep. This would probably be the night you would make that argument. <laughs> if, if you're going to face a defense <laughs> who it's not terrible, but it's not great, and it's without that much talent and that much production, sooner or later, it's put up or shut up time. You got to be able to put up some some numbers, especially here in the first half, uh, when when you're without any kind of pass rush to really have to uh, worry about. And I know it's anybody's guess, James, when it comes to Justin Herbert and his future. But got to ask you: Is this his final game at Autzen Stadium? It really is anybody's guess. Uh, part of me said, I mean, I, and this is not from from deep inside knowledge or something. It's it's not. This is more just kind of feeling here, I, I would say it's not, uh, and that he is going to end up coming back, but that that's not because of some, you know, mm -hmm. clandestine uh, discussions that I'm having with folks. I, I don't want to present it as that, that's the be-all and end-all. That's, that's the final word on it. Yeah, you start to hear murmurings one way or another. Obviously, a few weeks ago, it was the murmurings that now he's going to return. Then there's some report that I, I haven't even seen the full sourcing of, but somebody in the uh, NFL community saying that uh, either he and or his parents were starting to reach out to agents about possibly going. Even if that's true, that is not unusual, and nor does that dictate that people be leaving. He should be having conversations with agents. He should put his paperwork in for the uh, you know, uh, underclassmen evaluation uh, from the NFL. He should do all those things. So the fact that he can have conversations doesn't necessarily mean one thing or another, but anything like that is going to be turning into huge, huge news. But do I think it's his last game? Here at Austin Stadium, <laughs> come to the head, you know, proverbial gun to the head decision. I, I don't think it is uh, only in that. I, I, I personally think he could use another year, uh, and obviously all this, all the reasons that people outline as to why he would want to come back between playing with his brother, being a Eugene native, obviously seeing that there's things to work on, uh, both on an individual level and that the team could be in a position to compete uh, even at a higher level next year with a lot of returning talent. Uh, and not losing a ton by way of production on either side of the ball. Yeah, that helps. That helps. But that's it. I'm not the one who would have had, who has a thirty some odd million dollar decision back either. So <laughs> <laughs> Well he and he's got time. I mean you know what? I wasn't really there in his position. I kinda knew I'd be drafted and not didn't know first round or not, but you got time. You do have a month, two months, and two months, he's not yeah. gonna be out of shape. You know, he he does. He he's not gonna be you know, I got to make a decision today, but you're right. He should do all the paperwork. We had Lee Steinberg on. I've talked to him. He's in the headlights. Believe me, he's not in the back rearview mirror. The NFL knows about him. He's there. Hey, get, I want your your take though on these three seniors that are playing their last game defensively. I asked Jordan Ken about him. I want to ask you about these three studs on defense: Jalen Jelks, Justin Hollins, uh, Ugo Amadi. Those three guys, James. Give me your impression of watching these guys your your first year here. Well, for one, I think what you've seen with a lot of them. All three of them, really, is that the steady ascent, what you hope to see from a college player, that you, you hope to see steady growth, development, increases in production, and that over the course of their career that they do build to that level. And that they all happen to be on defense is, you know, <laughs> makes right. it better, doesn't it? Uh, but but uh, Amadi in particular, he's had a, he's had a phenomenal year. Mm -hmm. right? There's really no way around it. He's had a phenomenal year. It's in particular, the punt return game has been absolutely outstanding. Uh, and, and heading into the season, but anybody really expect him to have this kind of year, both as a punt returner and uh, as playing safety, be as, as good as he is right now? I don't think so. Uh, so he's had a fantastic end, uh, final season of his career. Obviously a few games ago, but so far a fantastic season. Jelks, I could understand if some people were 
Collins is disappointed, but we're hoping for maybe a little bit higher production this year, perhaps, uh, just because last year was so good. I, I think Jalen's had a very good season. Uh, I think he's facing a lot of double teams, making it hard for him, <laughs> frankly. Uh, but that's that's part of it. If you can't do it here, uh, you know, how are you going to be able to take it on in the NFL when it comes up? But mm-hmm. I think he's had, obviously, he's got a strong career. Maybe you could argue again about the production this year or not, but ultimately he's also playing a little bit out of where his natural position would be. So he's doing, you know, doing about as much as you could really ask for for him as a, as a senior. He's obviously had a very, again, a very strong career. Lastly, obviously, Hollins, again, another guy with just clo- closing his career out in a huge, huge way. Huge way. And to be basically the, the team's truly top edge rusher uh, this season has, has delivered in a, in a massive way for them and has made some really key plays at key times for this defense. So credit to all three of them. And obviously, we don't mention a lot of fellas because of injury, but I mean, I know got certainly fans, you guys are well aware of his story. To go from basically being a, an afterthought, a walk on it, you know, nobody, nobody even really thought of a lot of fellas years ago as a recruit for sure. And to now, I understand he's entering, ending the regular season with injury, perhaps he comes back for a bowl game. But to be such a massive part of this defense, not only because he's starting at a linebacker, but because of the vocal leadership and the tutelage that he has for younger players. And those are the kind of players you need to have on your team. Any team in America would want a player like that. And the fact that he has the story to back it up just further validates his position and makes it more beloved to his teammates. Yeah, James, that's a great point. I remember when uh, Lana was given a scholarship after coming on as a walk-on and, you know, one of the happy memories of the Willie Taggart era, and they, you know, had that one of those moments at the end of practice, team huddled up, and Willie presented him with with the scholarship and his... Uh, Lana Apalu's mom was on the video board at Autzen after one of the fall camp practices, and guys were just cheering for him. It brought a tear to your eye. I mean, celebration, that, that song by Post Malone was playing in the background. I mean, you got to love stories like that. That's a great point. Um, how do you see it playing up, James? Uh, all week, I, I've basically given Arizona State the very, very slight edge. I think I've literally picked up like one point all week. I'm like 28, 27 or something like that. Now, that was with the context of that they might be without Harvey and King, not that they were definitely going to be without Harvey and King. That does make me slip it back the other way. Uh, and, again, I hate to think again, when I know the spread is basically like three and a half or four mm-hmm. or four and a half, I hate to say, yeah, they'll, they'll win outright but not cover. I, I think this is going to be close because, again, I think we, we talked about the offensive firepower. I think Oregon's defense is going to have a hard time stopping a run against Benjamin, but I do think that because the Arizona State defense is just really ravaged by injuries here, uh, I, I do think the Oregon offense is going to be able to put up enough uh, to overcome them here. Now, again, you asked me that a day or two ago, I would put in reverse. That <laughs> would have been a close loss, but because of that, I know for sure now that they're going to be just that hurt by injuries. Yeah, I'll, I'll flip it and go the other way and say basically like a 31 28, 31-30 kind of win, uh, eking it out. But, hey, God knows, as you guys know, the last several weeks, I've been wrong before here. Hey. <laughs> I've been right at times. Yeah, yeah right we're, we're, James, we're, we're, James we're sitting here last week going, oh, my God, I'm getting four oh, points, and Utah doesn't have their starting quarterback, and Utah doesn't have Moss, their starting tailback. So, oh, my God, Oregon's a for-sure thing. They're going to outscore Utah because Utah has no offense, and then wham. Shelly and Shine. <laughs> Shelly and Shine, of course. Household names, as always. All right. Oh, <laughs> James, I appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the game. Uh, we'll try to talk to you before midnight on the postgame show. 
they're going to say, yeah, no, we're going to have another tight window of the night game, mm-hmm. guys. So we'll try and try and squeeze that one in here for, uh, hopefully, either before Mario comes in or quickly after. But uh, we'll see what uh, what kind of tight window we got. But, yes, yeah, enjoy the game. Watch. I'll put up on the app. Okay, I got him, I got him over under on six Red Bulls. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go six. Is he over? Six Red Bulls. All right, I'll take the over. We'll run that back on the post game show. Thanks, James Crampy. Yep. All right, Neil Lomax, Judah Newby. Final segment coming up next. We're gonna pick this game. Oregon, Arizona State. Final segment countdown to kickoff coming up. All right, Black Friday. It's Civil War Friday. We're gonna be broadcasting live countdown to kickoff and the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Live from the Fields Bar and Grill in the Pearl District. It's uh, on 11th Avenue right there next to Marshall and Northrop Streets. Black Friday, early afternoon, all that foot traffic, all the everybody doing their shopping in the Pearl Nail. And then here's what they do. They get hungry, and then right about 11 a.m., they're like, that's right. Neil Lomax is at the Fields Bar and Grill doing a two-hour radio show. I want to go meet that guy. And shake shake his hand. So you're going to be shaking hands and kissing babies on Black Friday. And, while you're and, and they have like 45 different selections of nice cold beer. Oh, so you got got cold lead with that. There, I'm bringing all my boys. Lead they're they're coming. That. Yeah, we're a field trip. We're off site. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Black Friday. And it's beavers all, and ducks. It's all from our uh, friends over at uh, Cooney BMW. They're going to be out there as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you want more information on that, go to 1029thegame.com for the uh, Civil War viewing party and a live broadcast. Myself and Neil Lomax out there from the Fields Bar and Grill. All right, Neil, it's that time. I know I've been leaning one way all week long. I made a pick over on our sister station, uh, KXL, on Friday morning. And even though... Even though Arizona State's banged up in the secondary and they're without one of their leaders in the first half, I'm going to stay on that. Oregon has done me wrong too many times. You can't go back to the same girl when she keeps doing you wrong, Neil. Not that you know anything about that, of course, but I do. I do. I've been done wrong by the ladies before. I can't go back, Oregon. I can't go back. You got to prove that I can trust you again. I'm picking Arizona State to win this football game 30 to 24. What do, you that, think? what do you think? I think you could be right on with that, 30-24. to 24. So you're taking the under. I'm taking the under. Not it's taking a, the points. The point total is at 66 right now. Right. And, could be the uh, under. It's Ducks minus 3.5. Well, I'm still, I'm still in the hangover from last week watching that debacle uh, in Salt Lake City. Right. When you were telling me you're not going to have the starting quarterback and your starting tailback, and you're still going to get beat, and... They look like they're all-conference, all-Pac-12 players, the Shelly and Shine show. And James brought it up today. They did not play that well against Colorado. They did win. But here's what's going to come down to. We haven't even talked about it. Special teams, the kicking game. There was a Zendejas on Arizona State, and people who know football and kickers, and ASU, Luis Zendejas, his son's on the team, but he's not the starting kicker, though. But it's going to come down to kicking. And the kicker for ASU is Brandon Ruiz. He's 11 for 15. 11 for 15 in field goals. Adam Stack, 5 for 10. It's going to come down to a field goal or a field goal or two. Arizona State has more stock I'm going to buy. I'm buying the kicker. It's going to be Arizona State by two or three. We both are picking Arizona State to get their first win in Austin since 2004 and spoil the Ducks' senior night, which means you can go to the bank right now and pick Oregon. Yeah. 
<laughs> no one how it's Pretty much sums us. it up. All right, that's countdown to kickoff. Shout out Peter Sampson spinning it behind the glass as always. He's the college football Hall of Famer, Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. Tune in for the Oregon College Football Postgame Show right after final whistle. We take you all the way till midnight and break down this one. Are we going to be proved right with ASU or proved wrong with a big duck victory? It's all in front of us after the game on 1029-750 the game.